Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 8.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetumc.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. So as we have been journeying toward one of the traditions of this church and this congregation, which is a fifth Sunday service of prayer and healing, we've been thinking a lot about prayer. And I don't know about you, but I feel like every time I watch the news, my prayer life increases tenfold. And so as we've been doing that, we decided to focus on where some of our prayers originate. What is the source from which we get these? Did you recognize the Lord's Prayer? Did you see its basis in there? Now, varying translations have it a little differently. One thing that a decade of ministry has taught me is that people like two things in Old English, Psalm 23 and the Lord's Prayer. But if you look at the New Revised Standard Version, it's a very compelling translation. It's not as lyrical or as flowing as the Our Father that most of us know. But it does help us to see that there are some very clear things in this prayer. And I always tell my son, when in doubt, pray the Lord's Prayer. You can't mess up a prayer by praying the one that Jesus has given to us. And that's precisely what God has done. God gave us a wonderful, quintessential prayer that we can pray at bedtime, we can pray it in the morning, we can pray it at meals, we can pray it when we're together and we're just overcome with sorrow and anxiety. It's a perfect prayer to pray because it's fully encompassing of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I tell my son, if you don't know, pray it. And it's always been just right. So as we look into the scripture, we'll notice that the disciples turn to Jesus and say, teach us to pray. And it's always good when you have the master with you to ask them to show you how to do things, not afterwards like, oh, I should have asked him how to pray. That would have been helpful. So they have the insight to say that, although did you catch a little bit of the modus operandi at the end, right? The reason we want to know is that John the Baptist gave his disciples a special prayer, and wouldn't it be cool if we had a special prayer too? And so Jesus does give them a prayer, although it's not just for the original 12, it's for all of us for all time. And he gives us this prayer that starts out by glorifying God. Heavenly parent, hallowed be your name. And the prayer that God's kingdom will come will come down to earth, which is precisely what is prophesied about in the book of Revelation, that the kingdom comes down from heaven like a bride adorned for her husband, and that this kingdom will come and glory will reign forever and ever. It's a wonderful way to start out a prayer. No matter how bad it is, God, I'm looking for that day when your kingdom is here and I can reach out and touch it. Yearn for that day. And asking that God would provide for us as a good heavenly parent wants to do. Give us our daily bread. It's a little demanding, but you know what? If Jesus says it's okay, then I would go with that. And also that we would forgive. Right? Forgive us, God, so that we can forgive. We are trying to model forgiveness, and we first need to receive so that we know what it looks like. So yes, God, please pour out your grace upon us. Perfect prayer. Can't go wrong. So I grew up listening to The Doors, and on Soft Parade, there's a song that starts out, 
When I was a young man in seminary school, there was a man who put forth the proposition that you could petition the Lord with prayer. And then he kind of gets a little louder, and Jim Morrison says, petition the Lord with prayer. And then he gets even louder, and he says, you cannot petition the Lord with prayer. I'm sorry, Jim, you can and you should petition the Lord with prayer. Absolutely, God wants to hear from us. God wants to know what is heavy in our hearts and in our minds, not because God doesn't know, because God is omniscient and does, but because there is a powerful, profound means of communicating what you need and what you want with God. It is an incredible thing to be able to be vulnerable and authentic and completely transparent with our Lord. I mean, be honest with you, God. I don't know what I'm doing, and I need your wisdom. God, you know me, and you know that normally I have no anxiety. I am secure in my faith and with your presence with me, but today my knees are knocking and my voice is quaking, and I need you more. It's about being honest by petitioning God. It's not a list of wants like Santa Claus at Christmas. Instead, it forces us to be introspective so that we can be retrospective about the blessings of God. So as we look further into what it means to be people of prayer in 2016, I invite you to consider a little bit of a story that happened to me not so long ago. I was an associate pastor, and a sitting judge came to see me, well-educated man, born and raised in the Christian church, knew what it, mean, what it meant to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, and came into my office and sat down before me and said, I know we're supposed to pray. I know that this is part of what it means to be a disciple, but why? Why? God knows what I need, and God knows what I want. Why should I pray? And it wasn't from a position of arrogance. It wasn't that this judge wanted me to justify prayer, but instead he was looking for insight. What is the purpose to all of this? And I'm going to be completely honest. I blanked. But the good thing is that God is good and present and at work, and through the miraculous movement of the Holy Spirit, I was able to think of a wonderful metaphor to give him. And I told him Imagine that you have a child, and he did. Imagine that you have a child, and this child comes into this world and is growing and is beginning to experience the world in new and profound ways, and you want to edify that child and encourage them and celebrate their triumphs when they meet milestones. But there's a glass wall. And your child's back is ever oriented to you. And then, as happens in every human being's life, a day of trial and tribulation comes and suffering and stress and anxiety. And all you long to do is just hug that child and surround them with your presence to reassure them that they are known and loved and that they are not the summation of their failures but there's that glass wall. And they're not looking at you, and they can't hear you. That is what our life would be without prayer. Prayer is a conduit to God. 
It is the way in which we open ourselves up to God in an incredibly personal way. It is a pipeline right from the head and the heart to heaven. And it is a two-way conduit. God can respond and can edify us. That's the power of stopping and listening when we pray. So many times people run through that prayer list and, okay, see you, God, next time. I think sometimes that's why people pray at night, right? You hope you'll fall asleep before you get to the end. Because I really don't want to have to run through the litany of my sins at the end, do I? And then I have to sit there and actually listen to God respond to the things that I said. No, Sarah, I don't know that you need a Ferrari. Do I really want to get there? But the truth is that sometimes we already put expectations on what God's response is going to be. And so we already say, no, I don't really want to hear it when God puts the smack down on my Ferrari. Instead of waiting and listening and discovering that God may say something that is completely unexpected, because God doesn't have a really great history of doing that, of course God does. God says things to us that we never saw coming. I was supposed to be an oceanographer. Not this. Ask 16-year-old me if I was supposed to be standing up here before you. But God said something new. And so God is willing to say something new to us all the time. Because sometimes our prayer life looks like this. God, you got to do something about my neighbor. She is completely out of control. I know you look down from heaven on that mess of her lawn. I think her weeds have gotten so high that there are rats living in it. God, what is wrong with her? Is she lazy? Why won't you just fix that? Change her heart so she realizes that that is so rude. Good night, God. But instead, maybe if we waited, we would hear something like this. You know, Sarah, maybe if you took some time to know your neighbor, you'd find out that she doesn't have a working lawnmower and that the one that she did have had a manual choke that she couldn't figure out and use. She lacked the dexterity in her hands. And so maybe she's just embarrassed and she doesn't even know how to ask for help. But aren't you supposed to be the one that seeks to help and serve? No, God, I don't really think I like that answer. I liked it better when you were just going to change her heart and make her mow her lawn. We don't want to hear that. That sometimes instead of God changing things out there, the power of prayer is that it makes us change things in here. And that it makes us look at the world in new ways. That God is saying, it's time for you to stop looking with these eyes and look with the ones that saw from there. Prayer is so important. It's vital. It's the way in which God continually pushes us to grow. One of the great things about the United Methodist Church is our doctrine on Christian perfection. Not that we are all going to wake up one day and be amazing but that one day, through the continual work of God and the Holy Spirit's presence and cajoling within us, that we could actually reach a place where we no longer willfully sin. Not that we're not going to sin anyway, but that we don't get up and consciously say, you know what, I'm going to illegally download that music today. I don't care that it's technically stealing, because who's ever going to know? but instead that God would have worked in us to the point that we would say, 
No, I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to do this the correct way. Because even though we're talking about a 99-cent song, eternity is worth every penny. And so prayer helps us to get in tune with that process. Prayer helps us to celebrate our triumphs and to call to account the things that we have done wrong. Not so that we can feel like base, animalistic human beings, but instead to say, you know what, God, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I messed up today. I don't want to do this again. I don't want to make that mistake. Did you see the look on her face when the wrong words came out? Help me not to do that again. Help me to be so much more than I was today. Help me to wake up one day and the words that I say will not direct people back to my name, but instead will direct them to your name. Help me to live a life that is marked by the glory of your kingdom and not the pain of this one. And so we're called to pray. We're called to pray for each other. We're called to pray for ourselves. We are called to pray to give thanks and glory to God. We are pray praying for the, our enemies because that's not easy. Can we pray for people who seek to do us harm? Yes, by God, we can. We can pray for people who use automatic weapons in public places. We can pray for a world that thinks that war is an option and a good one. We can pray for nations that will lift up sword against other nations, that are more concerned with building their nuclear armament than supplying their neighboring nations with food and drinkable water. We can and we should be praying for these things. And I wasn't kidding with the children. Because sometimes it's good for us to ask for something over and over again. Because we are capricious beings. And what we want one day may not be what we want the next day. And so when our heart becomes focused on something and we say to God in prayer, I am committed to this, God. If this is your will, then this is what I ask. And I will do all in my power to ensure that this is what comes to be. Because otherwise, we're like children who one day want to be a firefighter and the next day want to be a rock star. Those aren't even in the same industry. Different skill set entirely. But that's okay. Because they're growing. And they're maturing. And we should be too. We can't allow earthly chronology to tell us that we've hit our peak and we're done. Every day is an opportunity for us through the power of prayer to grow and get better, to go on to perfection. I had to stand before all my clergy colleagues and swear to them that I thought that I would be made perfect in this life. And I do. I hope that that day comes. That the only sins I'm confessing are the ones that I didn't mean to do. That's a day that I will get down on my knees and I will give God all the praise that my lungs can muster. Because I'm sick of living in a world of sin. I'm sick of seeing people suffer and die for things that don't matter in eternity. 
So prayer is everything. It's not just for me. My mother still calls me to put things on my prayer list. And I say to her, you know that it's not a better prayer just because I pray it, right? Yeah, I know. Just put it on your prayer list. Thanks, Mom. But it does mean something to have others pray for you. It's an important thing. It's a vital thing. I remember when I was going before the Board of Ordain Ministry for my ordination interviews, and my family had gone out to dinner, and when we came home, our entire front lawn was covered with a flock of pink flamingos. <laughs> and normally, that's not quite in my aesthetic. But they had taken my church sign that's in the, that was in the front of my yard, and they had put a piece of paper o- over the front of it and covered up the worship services, and instead it said, on a wing and a prayer, you go with our love, right? That that was the message, that I wasn't alone, and even though I was physically driving by myself to Blackstone to sit before this massive board of the best and the brightest in the Virginia Annual Conference to test my knowledge on theology and my practice of ministry and my leadership, that I wasn't alone that there were people who were connected to me, not just in our friendships and in my ministry, but in the power of prayer. And I can feel it. It's a weird thing to feel that. As if you're not quite walking on the ground, as if people are uplifting you. We need the prayers of one another. There are so many times where I'm a professional prayer. I have been educated and I have been granted a powerful apostolic authority to pray. But sometimes it feels so good just to have somebody come up and pray for me. Take my hand in theirs and lift me up. Prayer can do that. Prayer can raise up the lowly. Prayer can bring down the high and help us to see the world in a new way. Prayer is powerful and profound. It is prophetic. And if I'm honest with you, sometimes it is boring. It can be boring. If you're not into it, if you're not energized, if you're not excited, if you've been doing prayer the same old way forever, I'll admit it, it can be boring. But I had that pointed out to me by a high school youth at my last church came up to me after worship one time and said, you know, you're talking about prayer, but sometimes it's boring, which is what every pastor wants to hear. <laughs> Wait, my prayer? Wait, you're, not, you're just talking about like other people's prayers, right? No, it was probably mine. And so I saw that as a challenge, right? Okay, prayer's boring. We have to fix that. How do we fix that? How do we make it more exciting? I don't know that it's appropriate to have a drum solo in the middle of prayer. How do we make it better? And so I searched my history and came up with something from way back in my youth, Mad Libs. Ah, fellow Libbers. And so I wrote a prayer card. I wrote an actual prayer, and then I took out pieces of it, and I filled it in with the Mad Lib way. And the next Sunday, in worship, I let them know that I was willing to admit that there were times when prayer can get boring, and so that instead of that, that we would try a new way of praying. 
that we would go to Mad Libs. And that same youth stood up and went, yeah, and came running by and grabbed my prayer card and then ran back to his seat. Run by prayer. And it was a moment, though, where we did something new. And not inappropriate. I believe that God can redeem all things. And that even Mad Libs can be a conduit to a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to give you your own Mad Lib prayer card today. You don't have to do it right now. You can do it later. But this is that same first one that I wrote. And during the time that we were doing it in worship, the senior pastor came up afterwards to give a testimony about this. I'm sure he thought I was nuts when I did it. The look on his face said so. And afterwards, he, through choked up words, said that he had done exactly what you're supposed to do. There are blanks that underneath have small little indicators of what you're supposed to put there. You know, an adverb, one of the five senses. But the last one says a personal name or title. And his father had died almost two years before that. And so he had wrote down son. And when he went back and read this prayer, it was so meaningful. And you'll see why. So I'm going to ask for two volunteers to help me distribute. Thank you. Anybody else? Yeah? Thank you. And you can fill this out now or later. You can share it with a friend. Who knows? Whatever you want to do. It's yours. But... It was a moment for me where I remembered that we have a job, brothers and sisters. It is important for us to remember that somebody one day came up with the great idea of Lectio Divina. Let's try praying this way. And Christians have been doing it for several hundred years now. And at some point, someone said, you know, let's just fill our holy space with a cacophony of prayer. Let us hear many voices praying many prayers. And knowing that we can send all of those up to God, that God will hear every voice and every prayer. They still pray this way in Korea. That at some point, some Christian came up with new ideas and was willing to share them. And I'm sure there were people going, I don't know, this praying over scripture thing, it's a little weird. I think we just read scripture. And yet more people have come to see the depths of the power of Scripture because of the means of prayer like Lectio Divina. So I encourage you to look for new ways to make prayer a part of your life. Whether it's you get up in the morning and as you're stretching, that becomes your time to pray. Lord, as I stretch out these arms, may they be the hands of Christ this day. As I warm up my legs for my run, may they carry me to places and to people who need to know that your love is tangible. Maybe it becomes part of your day where you set aside a prayer time over a cup of coffee at the mud house. I'm not about to sit here and judge you for the way you work prayer into your life. Whatever works for you is going to work for God. So look for ways to add more prayer. Look for ways to make it an intentional part of your day and build in the silence to hear the response. Let God speak back to you so that God can speak through you.
after the week that we did these prayer cards, I got a little bold because people seem to enjoy it. And, you know, when you all compliment us, it makes us just think we can push you a mile. So the next week, I took an entire blank wall in the worship space, and I made a giant corporate Mad Lib. And everybody who came to worship that day decorated a name card, and they put their names in the blanks. But then they did so much more than I had thought of. They started writing name cards for other people and praying for people who weren't with us. And afterwards, we read it together. It became our prayer for the day. I'm sure there were people that thought I was crazy. And they're probably right. But the point is that for one day, God's people smiled and interacted and prayed with joyful hearts and a hope-filled future. It's the power of prayer. It's why I'm willing to drive to Charlottesville and find parking and navigate UVA Hospital because there are people there who need prayer. It's why we should be willing to go into the homes of one another and pray for each other. If we're not willing to do this, then why are we here? And don't go and worry about what to pray. Jesus has already seen to that need. We pray the Lord's Prayer. Not because it is our tradition, not because someone wonderful with the last name Wesley came up for it with it. We pray the Lord's Prayer because it is truly the Lord Jesus Christ's prayer given for us and prayed with us every time we utter it. I don't commend it to you, but God does. And so, if you have forgotten it, if it was never yours, it's a good one to learn. God is good to us and wants to hear our conviction when we pray. God, I know who I am. I am a child of God. And I know that I am flawed, and I know that there are fractures in me from my lifetime. But fill in the fissures. Help me to grow and love in a way that I cannot understand. Help me to show people signs of your kingdom that has already come near. May this be our legacy, but it will start here. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetumc.org to learn about ways you connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.